0: Continuing on from what Andrea offered yesterday, Andrea, I'm going to guide some support in the investigation of vedna, which is a Pali word. And it's a good polyword word to learn, because the English translations of feeling and feeling tone sometimes are not um, not that helpful. So this word Vedana specifically relates to the part of every moment, uh, the quality that comes up in all the things that come up in a present moment. There's a quality uh, of whether that moment is uh, very pleasant, mildly pleasant, uh, neither pleasant or unpleasant, mildly unpleasant or very unpleasant, somewhere on that range and ends up being a quality in every single moment of consciousness. It's worth spending some time developing mindfulness of vedna, because unmindfulness of vedna means that you're going to wake up probably in some type of reactivity to vedna. And then you're trying to work with the reactivity, and if you know that vedna is a part of the equation of how the mind gets reactive, sometimes you can actually let go of whatever your mind is blaming for the vedna, or um, assigning the vedna to, and actually just breathe in and out, aware of that tone of vedna. So breathing in and out, aware of the experience of pleasantness, rather than uh, the mind being drawn to what it thinks is pleasant. So you actually move the, the needle right onto that unpleasantness is, is a, a part of your conscious experience. So it's not like unpleasantness is happening somewhere you couldn't be conscious and you have to deal with the reactivity. You actually, if you search for it, you can find badness, as a tone, uh, a part of the conscious field. It's often subtle to find vedna itself, compared to the stories of reactivity or the object uh, that's seeming to cause the, the vedna. So whatever you uh, have fantasies around, the fantasies are very uh, evocative. But you need to step back a little bit and say, this fantasy uh, I'm drawn to it because it's pleasant, and so you're gonna see vivid fantasies and they're very compelling, and you, don't, you can't fight the object. That, that wouldn't work because then you're just with some other object. But while you're in a fantasy, if you see yourself drawn, especially repeatedly back to a particular thought realm or uh, parts of your body, in that relationship of being consciously aware of whatever object is at that sense door, see if you can find the pleasantness of it, the unpleasantness of it. And if it doesn't stand out as pleasant or unpleasant, it's in the range of what we call neutral. And sometimes neutral, that's our thats our simple word for a longer poly phrase, which is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, which is kind of a mouthful. But sometimes neither pleasant nor unpleasant actually is more accurate than whenever it feels neutral. Neutral might uh, have sort of a bland uh, association to it. But you say, I'm looking, and it doesn't seem to be pleasant or unpleasant. So if you look for Vedana and it doesn't stand out, you're in this neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And then we're using the shorthand of calling that neutral. It's hard to sustain mindfulness on Vedana um, because the object usually is more compelling or the field of the mind and reactivity starts to be compelling. The sense of anger or fear or fantasy, um, longing, uh, those can be strong forces. The object can be compelling. And so you, uh, you need to have practice for some time, like you all have, to where you can be in that stream of experience and make some choices what aspect of the flow of the present time that you're going to see, uh, investigate, that you're going to bring the mindfulness taster, the mindfulness uh, activity just to unpleasantness or just to pleasantness and see what that's like. It's important to be able to do this because we need to learn about Vedana directly, not just having a psychological map of it, but we need to learn that Vedana um, is conditional. So we can say that, we can say it 10 times and maybe at some point you're like, okay, I got it. But it's because we don't actually get it experientially that we get lost in our reactivity and we justify our reactivity by whatever story we're telling, but we actually haven't touched the vedna. And if you can actually breathe with the vedna, you'll find that a lot of the conundrum that you're in of fantasy or boredom or reactivity uh, loses some of its steam because you're actually able to be with the vedna. And all vednas are coming. Uh, This practice will not secure you only in the pleasant or the neutral. And they won't stay because they are conditioned. So you're going to have to uh, learn to be conscious while these um, different Vedanas are playing out. The difference being able to breathe with Vedana, know that there's pleasant Vedana, and that's what's fueling the fantasy, means you can actually address what's behind uh, a very persistent fantasy. and it breaks down. If you actually track the vedna of chocolate, you can see that in your mind chocolate is always pleasant and therefore any fantasy about it is a secure relationship of pleasure. <laughs> but <clears throat> if you actually eat the chocolate, depending on the quality of the chocolate, you can see it's not the, the reality of that experience, intimacy with the actual experience, it was crunchy because it had a nut in it, it melted. Oh yeah, there was a, that was pleasant. Okay, now it's fading, and now there's that aftertaste. Ah, I'm learning that Vedna is actually a whole uh, range of experiences, but in the concept, the simple concept, it seems like it's always going to be a pleasant experience. And then if you're not tracking it, you get a little hit on pleasure, and then you wander, and then All you have is this one data point. Oh yeah, when I was there it was pleasant. But you actually need to investigate that chocolate and Vedna are doing their own thing. Uh, They are not actually fused. Um, That's a simple example. But your fantasies, you know, and then you can even say like, here's this fantasy, but what's, it's pleasant, but let me see if I can actually find the pleasantness And what is actually pleasant about this fantasy? Is it what I imagine uh, the colors will be? Is it imagine the story around this fantasy that I want that's pleasant? So see if you can actually find what the pleasure is arising connected to and then track it. And you'll see it's actually very hard to sustain the pleasure. Or that sometimes pain when uh, experienced is a wave, it's not just monolithically unpleasant. Even unpleasant has waves within it. And then neutral is where we often check out. The breath is neutral, so we often check out uh, around the breath or other things we get used to. But even within that neutrality, sometimes neutrality is very soothing. And sometimes neutrality brings on a sleepiness. Sometimes there's this sense, neutral, is this all I get on my spiritual path? Is this what it comes to, a whole bunch of neutral? And then that mind starts like, where could I get a hit of something pleasant? Maybe I should do metta practice. I hear that that's always pleasant. <laughs> so <clears throat> what we're, I'm going to guide you in is uh, exploring Vedana, making sure you can land uh, in moments on the pleasant part of the experience, the unpleasant or the neutral part, and then see how that begins to um, affect the relationship of the mind to the object of attention. And you'll see that Vedana, uh, when seen, uh, may not be affecting that relationship so much, but often when it's unseen, it does have a big impact about how the mind's relating to that stream of experience. So, finding a posture that allows our animal body to be at ease. We are a friend to this animal. And again, heading into the day, it's a new day, so see if you can release all that happened before today. Allow today to be a full 24 hours worthy of your full attention. Starting with that intention. And guiding yourself towards whatever your primary practice is that's hearing, body sensations, or the breath, a loving-kindness practice, practices based in more about open attention or awareness, Bringing your attention into the body, into the field of body sensations. See if you can find any body sensations that your first connection with them feels pleasant. So we might need to look around a little bit and see if there's any warmth that feels pleasant. Your body feels comfortable. You might see if that comfort, the stream of sensations that are agreeable, soothing, that might have a pleasant tone to them. and see if you can be mindful of the pleasantness while connecting to that stream of experience. And then right in that stream of connection to those pleasant body sensations, can you notice if the pleasantness is supporting your attention? Maybe it brings up a sense of reassurance or ease. might feel the mind is lighter or happier. In that, there's less fear, sometimes pleasant experiences. We would call that a good sitting because we felt pleasant sensations in our body. You might also notice that the pleasantness puts you in a floaty place. You feel good. You want to relax. Things are pleasant. And just being to float there contentedly, (coughs) heading towards unconsciousness. Relieve that there's some pleasantness and in that relief begin drifting. might notice in the enjoying of the pleasant sensations there's a secret or not-so-secret wish that this could be the new normal, some hope that there's a way to hold on to these pleasant sensations. And then some of us right now, or all of us, eventually, will come to a stream of experience where we can't find anything pleasant. The body might be overall neutral, or there might be such a strong sense of unpleasant sensations that the mind can't actually connect to anything pleasant. So there's a frustration in trying to find pleasant or sustain the pleasure. That might lead to more yearning. Wishing the pleasure were stronger, more reliable. More pervasive. And now I invite you to open up to your body and the breath and see if you can find a stream of sensations that we might call neutral. You can connect to those sensations. And in that mindful connection, it doesn't seem to be pleasure or pain, even though you're connecting to those sensations. might notice that your ears, or your nose is fairly neutral, or the back of your head, parts of your body you don't visit very often. Maybe it's the breath itself that feels neutral or some other vivid part of your body, like your hands. You can connect to the sensations. And in that connection, neither pleasure or pain stands out. Are you aware of any way the neutrality is influencing your relationship to the experience? Do more neutral sensations bring peace and ease, and settledness? Does neutrality feel more supportive, more accessible? Does the neutrality support mindfulness because it doesn't generate wanting or reactivity. There can be a kind of ease in resting in neutrality because we take it for just what it is. Or do you notice that it's hard to stay with neutrality, the mind drifts off easily because there's nothing compelling about neutral experiences, sometimes a boredom creeps in might be hard to sustain interest You might also notice that as you become more intimate with what was neutral, it starts to become pleasant. So the same sensations don't have a fixed Vedna tone to them. I invite you to explore any sensations in your body that have the Vedana tone of unpleasantness or something painful. You might not immediately go to your most painful experience in your body. You can learn a lot just by not scratching an itch. and see the unpleasantness of an itch. Or at times when you're feeling a little stronger you might be able to bring mindfulness to something that there's painfulness around the experience, within the experience. And it's tricky because you're not, in this moment we're not looking precisely at the object, we're looking at the unpleasantness arising as we connect to that object. Sometimes unpleasant experiences wake up the mind. The mind is not as drifty. It focuses your attention. The gravitational pull towards unpleasant experiences or a push away from unpleasant experiences. Sometimes the mind gets a lot more clear, not as foggy, when it's willing to be intimate with unpleasant sensations. might also notice that the unpleasantness brings an agitation that makes it difficult to sustain mindfulness with what's unpleasant. Fear or resistance or irritation might begin to make you impatient There's an anxiety. How long are we going to do this? We also can begin to build second layers of unpleasantness around the stories. How long would this last? Is this the beginning of something really bad? Does this mean I'm not a good practitioner? Why does it have to be so painful? might notice that there is a clear center to what is painful and at sometimes around that there's a second area contracting around it that's also unpleasant there might be a sharp pain and then some type of grip in your muscles around that pain At some other point in the day, there's not that secondary gripping. You're able to be with just those sensations. At some point it's important to take a break because pain can be wearing to the heart and mind. can be fatiguing. Trying to open a new relationship and fight underlying tendencies. Calming all the agitation so that you can be close to pain. And at some point the mind is fatigued, or is taken over by reactivity. So you can patiently bow to those sensations and bring your mindfulness to some place that is clearly neutral or pleasant. See if you can regroup dispel the reactivity. then notice several minutes later what's happening in the relationship to some other part of your body like your breath or your hands that may be neutral or pleasant again and see how that shifts what's arising in your heart in your mind So we can, we connect to the world through our five senses and then we have a whole realm at a sixth sense door, which is all of our internal mind experiences, both the objects of mind, images, thoughts, memories, plans, songs stuck in our head. Also the field of the mind itself, it's not so much the content, but the field. Uh, also has a Vedana tone. So you might have a pleasant sense experience coming through your ear, but it's coming into a mind realm that's unpleasant. So the mind has a Vedana flavor. The sense doors have a Vedana flavor. And then the perceptional, the perception information that we add can have a Vedana tone. So Vedana, when you begin to explore it, it's not just one, two, three, at the body, check the box. It ends up expanding uh, to say, yeah, there's uh, some unpleasantness at the body, but I'm having an over... The totality of my experience is pleasant because my mind is in a really steady, pleasant place. But clearly there's something unpleasant happening in the body but I'm having a pleasant experience because my heart, uh, the pleasure is coming out of my capacity of heart and mind, even though I'm dealing with a lot of pain. So that's the heart can be in one state, the sense door might pick up another. And those change over time, because you can get bored with anything or enthralled with anything. So it's its own dynamic realm Uh, Vedana. And if we're not conscious of it, if we're tracking objects or just tracking the mind, we might not realize that some of the energy we're working with of fantasy or why it's hard to be present or why we're gripping onto something when we haven't been tracking the Vedana level. There's also the way that uh, Vedana comes through perception. So at your eye door, you're seeing color and shape. So I have pl- certain colors that I find more pleasant than others and I'm drawn to them. Some colors are neutral and I tend not to be drawn to them. And then some, ple- some colors are unpleasant, but it's not bad. Um, I find that bright colors sometimes are too much, um, like bright lights. But the unpleasantness can arise as you perceive what you're seeing. So you might see somebody, not recognize them, so your eye is working. But as soon as you recognize who they are, you get vedna through how you remember them. So it's neutral, neutral, oh, very pleasant at the eye door because I see this is my friend coming. Or neutral, neutral, oh no, here's my enemy, (laughs) and they've walked into this small cafe, they're going to see me. Um, So Vedana is on many levels and if you're just starting with Vedana it's usually good just to see how the mind is um, relating to its object at any of the sense doors and just get a sense. Is this overall experience pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And am I assigning the object this is the property of pleasantness embedded in the object. This bell is big, has a nice ring to it. So I'm embedding the pleasantness as a feature of the bell. Um, That's not the property of the bell. It's the property of my mind is associating with the bell. Uh, This gets very entangled in our human relationships because we associate the Vedana with the person and not realize it's actually arising in ourselves as we're taking in a person or uh, expanded to any other experience. And then when you go out walking, uh, you'll notice it's a rainy day, the association is maybe that's pleasant. If you're in a drought area, thank God there's rain, but it's a little wet and cold. So I have a mixed Vedna response to the fact that it's raining. I don't like being cold. Well, have you ever allowed yourself to be cold and not go right into the, this is unpleasant? Because cold by itself uh, is the sensation of cold. It's not a fixed relationship that cold is unpleasant. It's not a, an automatic It's what's arising in that moment as you're feeling the cold. And you might be able to actually feel cold and realize I was forcing the interpretation that it had to be unpleasant. You also can force the the relationship that this should be pleasant. So I'm looking for the pleasure, but I'm not getting it. So that's one thing to tease apart, is the objects of our experience and all the thought objects and... uh, (laughs) not have a built-in assumption that due to past experiences, I, this should be pleasant, unpleasant, or there's no worth in this neutral experience. Are there any questions about working with Vedana? And before we go to questions, um, I'd like to hear from people who haven't had a chance to speak up yet, people who are not as um, easy to grab the mic. And then often uh, we're, I request that if you have an interview with a teacher that you give a pause to let people who don't have interviews with teachers that day, um, a chance to speak, but that's all of you today because, uh, the teachers, uh, have their day off today. There's no practice meetings. There'll be a Dharma talk tonight. There's this session, but, um, the rest of the day it's you and your heart. Thank you for listening.